Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Lee and Rhymes. All right. It's our new country show. I do like her. I knew you liked her. Remember we were talking about that blue song that, that made her famous the other day? I mean, I don't know any of her music, but I, otherwise... Mm, other than that, yeah. you're all about she's her. She's a little cutie, as I recall. I think she's, she's about your age now, which is out of the little cutie zone. By I'm a little several cute, decades. Bro. What are you talking about? Um, so, Aaron, Leander. When you first hear, when you first heard the name Leander, had you played this one before? Uh, no, no, okay. I've not played this one, boat. So, I'm going to I'm going to give you two game names, and I want you to tell me which one sounds cooler. All right, Leander or Galahad. Galahad. Galahad much cooler. Yeah, yeah. And of course, as we go into the game later on, we will see that the name was actually changed for the Mega Drive release to the better sounding Galahad and less like a Lender's Bagel mixed with a lavender tie. Leander sounds like a, an indie band. Yeah, a bad indie you know? band like the yeah. one I was in. And it doesn't give you, you know, the funny thing, well, we'll get to it. I got a lot to say about this game. <laughs> All right. Well, before we jump into Leander, Aaron, why don't we la- Leander on over to everythingamiga.com and talk about what's been going on on the site this week? I know what's been going on. I had to change my password today. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, the bots have taken over and are posting uh, links to casino gambling sites on all your articles, Aaron. That's right. I, people know that I am quite a gambler. Yeah. So it was a natural fit that no one would suspect. Absolutely. So why don't we start out with uh, Dreamcatch's latest article, Aaron? Why don't you tell us a little bit about this? I'll be honest with you. I have not had a chance to look at this boat. Can you tell me what's, what's going on with it? So this is Pud Pud. This is uh, a really. This article is written about Jaffa Smith, who is a uh, coder of note, and also sort of maybe famous is the wrong word to use, but he is well known in the retro world for being sort of a a different kind of personality. He's he's no longer with us, Jaffa Smith, and uh, Dreamcatcher has a very personal connection to. Uh, Joppa, because I guess he he kind of sees them as kindred spirits, uh, the same sort of personality. Uh, and uh, this is about his game Pud Pud, which is a really weird uh, ZX Spectrum game. Um, this is a uh, another <laughs> deep dive from the Dreamcatcher. Uh, I know we've covered a few of this guy's games, at least one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what it was. Yeah, I can't I, I can't remember, but uh, but yeah, but I he, remember doing a little write up on him, and yeah, you're right, and he is uh, a quirky fellow. I can see why DK would be fascinated by him. He's right up his alley. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other big news, Aaron, is that uh, our boy Reflection, our good friend uh, Reflection, has uh, posted this article about the Amiga 2000. Now, do you know anything about the Amiga 2000, Aaron? I know. Yeah, I have a. I have a. You know, 
normal, moderate amount of knowledge about it, but I've never owned one. Okay. Well, th- this was fascinating to me because the Amiga 2000, I always sort of wondered about why why it existed, what made it different than the 3000. Um, and uh, it's, you know, he, he goes into why, you know, a lot of people don't really, they don't have fond memories of the 2000 because uh, it, it wasn't as, you know, sexy looking as the 1000 or the 500, you know, didn't have that svelte wedge shape like the 500 did. It wasn't the first like the 1000. It didn't have uh, a lot of the, the quality of life things that the, the later models did. But uh, it does have um, a, uh, it does have the video toaster. And it had, you know, the expansion capabilities in the 2000 really put it above and beyond what the 1000 or the 500 could do. And uh, he talks about how it was originally designed in Germany, and then Dave Haney came over and kind of put the finishing touches touches on it. And uh, it lasted forever. You know, the the 2000 was released, and then the 3000 uh, came out. But the 3000 was actually a hobbled machine in terms of its internal expansion slots. So people kept on buying the 2000 even after the 3000 was released. And Amiga ended up sticking with the 2000. Um, you know, they they ran both models concurrently, I guess you would say. And then the 4000 finally was the, the true successor to the the Amiga 2000. So, I, I knew a, my friend had a 2000. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of uh, audio stuff with it. <clears throat> and... I remember seeing it, and he and he would he loved this thing. He always used to tell me how great it was. Yeah, uh, and he was also a Mac guy, so those were his computers. He had a Mac, and he had this uh, this Amiga two thousand. And really, the only times I've gotten to play with him is over at his place. And you know, I mean, effectively, it's it's like a, a slightly jacked up Amiga five hundred with a, with some with some slots in it. But the slots make a big deal of difference. Uh, you know, it's it isn't the most pleasant to look at machine, but I mean, if you look at uh, PCs of that era, like it's it's it, it it would fit in right there. You know, with the, it does it's not it's not like it's hideous or anything. Right, right, and it, you know, then the, this is Commodore's continue quest to to be more palatable to the business arena and making a machine that looked more like you know a traditional business computer made sense. Yes, so absolutely, I think you nailed it there, boat. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you to Reflection. This is a great, great article. I learned. Yeah, a lot. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even see this, and I'll, I'll have to check this out. Yeah, yeah. All right, and before we move out of the side updates, uh, you might notice if you're watching the stream or a YouTube recording of it that uh, we have a new icon bouncing around down at the bottom of the screen for our site updates. This is uh, Duncan Styles, uh, animator of the stars at work again uh, with this brand new site updates uh, kind of logo that we're going to splash up on the screen. So thank He's you very much, Dunk. Yeah, you're I'll the man. I'm him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron, let's talk about what's been going on this week in Amiga News. All right. Just two stories this week, Aaron. Uh, the first one is... Uh, and this is one that I saw, and I was like, do we really want to talk about this? But it's been sort of a light news week, so I figured we'd, we'd put it on the show. Someone has configured uh, a, a, an expansion board to be able to play... To basically, It basically turns the Amiga into a dumb terminal, and uh, you can play a, you can play Spotify through your Amiga with this expansion board. Did you did you see this one, Aaron? I did, I did see the headline. I did not look into it. Okay, well, you're... Uh, so... Yeah, that's uh, that's what's that's been, wacky. Yeah, um, it's uh, I don't know. It's like you can put an expansion board. It's like all of these things that work with the Raspberry Pi. It's like if you basically just open up your computer so it receive it can receive any information fed to it by a Raspberry Pi. Is the computer really doing the work? 
Uh, it's. Well, I mean, listen, you're right. It's not practical, it, but it is amusing. So yeah. If you like, if you like amusing things, then this will amuse you. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, from our buddy Mike over at Cloanto, Amiga Explorer Eight has been released. Oh, okay. Okay, so Amiga Explorer is a utility. It's a free utility. If you have Amiga Forever, it comes with it. And uh, this allows you to browse through Amiga files with your PC. So if you, I guess if you're creating uh, like a compact flashcard or if you're writing ADFs and things like that, that you can pass between your uh, your Amiga and your PC. This seems to be a very useful tool. Um, it looks like uh, this thing has been in development uh, since 1997. So, and this is the uh, the eighth version of this. So, if you're at all interested in moving files back and forth from your Amiga to your PC, check out Amiga Explorer 8. You can find it at amigaforever.com. You know, one more thing we got to mention, Boat, and because this was a uh, this is a video that popped up on our Discord. And it's 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 not really news. So, but it's it is hilarious. Did you? I don't know if you watched it. It's a video of this guy that he recorded of himself in 1992, and uh, uh, like bad mouthing PCs and loving the Amiga. Did you watch that video that popped up? I cannot believe that some guy uploaded a video where he bad mouths PCs. That's and right. Up the it's Amiga. right up my alley. <laughs> it's just this dude, and he's got like an old school microphone, and I don't know what. I don't know where he's at. But the TVs are like laid in the wall, mm-hmm. like he's in like a studio or something. It's just some kid. <laughs> he's like, "Let me tell you something." He goes into a big rant. It's tremendous. You're so I have to link that up. You're it's all really about fun. you're all about the rants. Last week it was the dinosaur pie guy. This yeah. week it's this guy. You just you love listening right. to people complain. Listen, I, I'm always on board for somebody cutting a good promo. Now when I can tie it into this show, double trouble. Mm. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up with this week's Amiga News. So let's head on over and talk about this week's game, Aaron, Leander. Now, I'm guessing you hadn't played this one before this week either, yeah? No, no, I'd never played I had heard about people talk about this game when you bring up the subject of kind of uh, Amiga platformers, but I hadn't played it. This this is one I can't believe we, that I've never played, to be honest with you, and I'll get into why uh, in, a, in a little while. So anyway, Leander uh, released in 91. That, that year is key. Uh, three discs, and this is a uh, single-player game developed by some guys uh, called Traveler's Tales. Yes. Now, the only thing that I've got from them on the uh, on the Amiga was a game called Pugsy, mm-hmm. E-U-double-G-S-E. I believe there's a single G-S-E Pugsy on the consoles in there, Boat. No. Was, wasn't there a game called Pugsy? I think you might be thinking about Pugsley's Adventure, which is about no, the Adams Family know, guy. I, I, I could have sworn it was a P-U-G-S-Y, Pugsy. I've not heard uh, of it. Anyway, uh, this this game uh, was uh, coded by a fellow named John Burton. This was as far as I could see on Lemon. This was his only credit. Graphics by a what? guy named a- Andrew Ingram. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. No. Well, maybe this was his only Amiga credit, but he's done right. hundreds of games on other systems. Yeah, on the Amiga. That's okay. what I said. Okay. Uh, he'd done tons of other stuff on the consoles. Uh, the Ingram worked on Airborne Ranger, Butcher Hill, and Zone Warrior, and the music was done by a fellow named, uh, well, um, with John Burton, a, a fellow named Matthew Simmons, a few other guys. So he had a, several guys working on the music, and there is a lot of music in this, so that doesn't ter- doesn't surprise me. Uh, this was uh, this made the rounds to a couple of different things: the Atari uh, ST, and of course, the, as Boat mentioned earlier, well, he sort of mentioned it. This also made its uh, way to the Genesis slash Mega Drive Boat. Um, 
Do you want to go into the Mega Drive version now or save it as a surprise? No, we'll, we'll talk about that at the very end. Okay. Uh, so... You want to talk what, about Traveler's Tales a little bit? Traveler's Tales? There's not a ton to tell, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think I've got... I don't think I actually have okay. anything. They didn't do so all that much. They did a ton of stuff. So not all, on the Yeah, but you usually talk about their things that they do That's on the other platform. That's all I look up is the Amiga. What did they tell us the story, Bo? Okay, so they've done all of the Lego games, the games that are wildly popular with kids of all ages. I'm all a, the, my son plays the heck out of those games. The Lego yeah. Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones, they are the force behind those games. So, no kidding. I didn't have any idea. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 this was the first game that John Burton has done, but he went on to much, much bigger and better things later on down the line. Ah, very good. Now, are they still are they still known as Traveler's Tales? They're still known as Traveler's Tales. Well, that's kind of neat. Yep. Who's Next time, you... at least somebody made it out of here. Yeah. Not too bad. So, <coughs> that much said, here's their effort, Leander. So, what is this? This is a uh, platform adventure game. Uh, if you watch the, well, actually, I read the. Yes, Boat, I did it again. I, I actually printed out the documentation for this thing, as you Great. can see here. And uh, I'm not going to, because the tale that this takes up about 10 pages, but basically uh, the, the queen is kidnapped and the guard here is sent, uh, and she's kidnapped by Thanos. This all has sort of that. Uh, uh, it's, kind of a Gre- it's kind of a Greek mythology yeah. thing. Leander and, is, a fig- uh, is so he's some sort of go, figure. You've yeah. got to go vanquish Thanos to rescue the queen. Or the, excuse me, not the queen, the princess. Now, of course, your guard uh, character, Leander, has always secretly been in love with the with the princess, but he could never tell her because he knew her father wouldn't approve of what happened killed. Mm-hmm. But uh, it so this actually, and in some ways, this kidnapping did him a favor because the king calls for him and says, "Listen, I know you're into my daughter. Go save her." Yeah. And he's like, "Okay." So it works out pretty good for him, you know, except for the you know getting killed mm-hmm. part. And so you're off. Uh, and uh, this game starts off with sort of a uh, uh, opening cinematic of you sort of running at a guy with like a spear, another guy running at you. It's kind of cool. I thought that was kind of neat. That it's the, very, the, it's the sort of Japanesey. Yeah, what do you say? I, I think that this is. And if you look at the uh, the box of this game too, there's Japanese text on the box. <laughs> I think this yeah. this was a trend. You know, in the in the early '90s, you know, of course, all of the big consoles coming out of Japan. Sony was such a huge deal. Um, I think this has gone into Western development, where they're like, we need to we need to copy this somehow, and so let's make our characters look like they're out of anime. Let's throw some Japanese text on the box. Maybe no one will know until they me, play the game. Let me ask you a question, Boat, because we've ran into a, we ran into this a few weeks ago on a game. Did did, did you know this was ever a trend? Uh, no. Uh, I wonder I, if there are many, many games like this that we've just never heard of. Well, I think that there are because when you read the reviews from the magazines from back yeah. in the day, they're like, this is another one of these Japanese-looking games. So I think it was a trend. We just haven't covered that many games that That's were like that. That's bizarre to me. I never... <laughs> what a strange thing. But, I mean, you're right. Because people wanted to have their computer be sort of like consoling. Yeah. And so that's what you get. And this is consoling. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. So... And Leander, of course, you play Leander, and you're going you're going through these levels to try to rescue the princess, which she's which she's far away. And you're led through the levels by these uh, seers that will come on the screen in between levels and kind of tell you sort of what you're going to be doing on that level. Yeah. Now, I, 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 I want to before we really dive deep into this, I want to talk about the development history of this game 
All right. So uh, John basically was a, he was a dude. And uh, he got together with this other dude from his computer club. Have you heard this story before? This, this is, is like the, this is like article. every develop. Yeah, this is every yeah. development story ever in in the computer scene. I, I I was a coder. I met this guy at my computer club that was an art guy, and they put together this demo of a guy walking around in a big dragon, and they showed the demo to Psygnosis, and they're like, "We want you to make a whole game based on this." And that's what Leander was. At first, they were like, there's no way we can do this. But then they sent him a big check, and they were like, there might be a way we can do this. <laughs> and, and that's basically how Leander came to be. Was that, you know, uh, the, John had a great a demo of a guy walking around, probably looked a lot like Leander himself. And then the art guy it drew a bunch of cool dragon-looking dudes, and boom, there's your game. You know, we've covered a lot of Psygnosis game mode uh, over the years. And having not played this one... And then playing it, I was astounded because this game uh, uh, is super duper psychosisy in some ways, like art style, mm-hmm. uh, and is um, but eclipses. It does a lot of things better than most psychosis games. I How agree. About that? I agree. Um, when I when I played this game, and this game came out several, and you knew I was going to make this comparison at some point. Uh, uh, this game, when I played it, it ca- this came out a couple years before Lionheart did, and this game w- is the is almost like the answer to what would happen if you took some of the some of the aspects of Lionheart that made it good, and some of the artistic aspects that made, say, Shadow the Beast good, uh, and kind of rolled them into a game. Uh, I remember reading in the article that the guys had sort of said that they wanted to have they had, Shadow of the Beast was definitely uh, uh, inspirational to a certain degree. Oh sure, absolutely. And of course, you're working for Psygnosis, who have that rep of having mm-hmm. these kind of. Games. But the, this this game goes several steps further than most of those types of games, including Shadow of the Beast one and two for sure. Mm-hmm. And in that, they take they manage to take the graphical styles of of a Shadow of the Beast game now. Don't get me wrong, the graphics in this aren't on the same t- exact level as a Shadow of the Beast. Whoa, whoa, they're, wait, they're wait, 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 wait. You think that Shadow of the Beast looks better than this game? Well, no, I'd say some aspects of it do. What aspects and, but, are those? Well, I mean, if you, I, can, I actually, believe it or not, I, I sat this game down before we, I even read that article or knew there was any sort of comparison, or even who Psygnosis was involved. Right. I was like, man, this reminds me a lot of of, of like Psygnosis, Shadow of the Beast type. And I sat them down together. Mm-hmm. And what this doesn't have in it is like that 50 planes of, of motion type stuff. Okay. But what it does have in it is everything else. And also, by the way, it's a game as opposed to some kind of <laughs> vaguely interactive demo. Right, right. right so, so okay, I, so it's basically the parallax is what this game the, is missing, because yeah, I, I was curious. And even, and we'll get into it, even the parallax scrolling on the console is is, is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, the so, to get back to it, you play Leander, you're going through these levels, it's a, it's a fairly straightforward setup. Um, you've got a sword, <coughs> you can jump, the game has uh, the option for one or two button support, which I appreciated. I never played with one button because I didn't have to. Uh, I used the two button support. Um, th- now, you, the game has really good music with a butt, and the butt is, unfortunately, like so many games, <coughs> uh, you can't have music and sound effects. And so the only time I would hear music is when I was watching someone play it or watching you because I always put it on sound effects because mm. I like to be able to hear what's going on. 
Um, so that's that. You know, there are. It's not the perfect game. We'll mm-hmm. get into it. But it's uh, you start off. The game is smooth. The sprites are large. Everything in this looks psychosisy, except for the main character. Uh, the main character is uh, he's not my favorite to be to be honest. I just don't like the way he looks. Really, he almost seems out of place in this. Can game. you can you tell me about what you don't like? Well, I'm not saying he's badly drawn or even badly animated because I mean, if you look at him, he, he they they does a nice job in his movements and stuff, but he just seems he's not cool looking to me. And everything in this game is very cool looking. All the monsters, even the little insignificant monsters like bats and snakes, they're cool looking, man. This guy, to me, and trust me, in the in the pantheon of Amiga platform characters, <laughs> again, it's a different scale. Bottom, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's a different we're scale. The caveman level here, mm-hmm. but he's not. I don't think he's that all that interesting looking. You know, he's, I I would disagree. I think he looks rad until you get to his pants. There's no knight that's traping around with a bunch that, of with capris on. That's listen, no that's good. That's a big part of a yeah, boat. Yeah. Nailed it. If if I'm going to go into some sort of Greek thing. I might even put him in like the skirt type thing. Yeah. I mean, or go all out, or do something, or some shiny something. That you're right. The capri pants. This, unless you're Mary Tyler Moore, that's a no. That's it's a, a hard look to pull off. Trust me. We agree on that. Yeah. So, but it's something that it, I could get past. Uh, the levels in this, there's a lot of. Uh, now I don't know how I don't know how far you got before you couldn't get any further. But another thing that this differs from a psychosis game is that it's not impossible. Right. I actually, on my first attempt, got to like the second level, mm-hmm. which I've played some psychosis games where I couldn't even get off the first screen mm-hmm. uh, where you're instantly killed. So yeah. that was a pleasant surprise. And eventually, I could get all the way to the end of the first section of the game, which mm-hmm. is, that's not bad for you, me. You mean you beat the first seven levels? Uh, I beat the first. Gosh, I may I may have beaten the first five, Bode. Okay, because this game I, I played this game a lot this week. Yeah, uh, I, I, did, I played. I've been unfortunately I've been kind of you know about this, but I've been fighting a wrist issue or, mm-hmm. or an arm issue. Yeah, and so I, I didn't get to play. Most of my plays came late in the week uh, on this. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I played a ton of this, and the first thing that I did. It was turn on infinite lives because I didn't want that getting in my way. This yeah. game, here's another saving grace of this game, is this game has a, uh, it's basically a password. You type in this password and you can get infinite lives. And if you're somebody that bought this game back in the day, you know, unless you're superhuman, you're never going to see the end. This is a very, very long game. Even with infinite lives turned on, I played this for like two hours and I yeah. only got to like midway through the second of the uh, of the, the the worlds. You know, there are three worlds and they are each seven levels apiece. And so it was um, you know, I was very thankful for that that infinite lives because it's it's still no walk in the park, even with that turned on. You know, it's funny. I, I, this is a little tidbit for people that are, might be emulating the Amiga. I played this on the twelve hundred and on the uh, Amiga Forever. And the Amiga Forever, I had the advantage of having a trainer. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a trainer on my Amiga uh, 1200 version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't know about the cheats until later on. But on the, uh, so I was like, well, I can just I can use save states and stuff. I'll emulate it. The the, the store doesn't work right when you oh. play it on on Amiga Forever, and so mm-hmm. I was like, well, so much for that. It's funny. But that's sort of vital. Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, this, this is one thing that that a bunch of Psygnosis games have in common is the in-game store. Um, yeah. Now. 
the in-game store is hidden away. I guess there's a lot of these stores, but I didn't find my first store until I was like an hour into the game. Yeah, it's well in. Mm -hmm. I, well, I, I found one. You know, I mean, yeah, you're not going to find one the first couple levels. You know, the stores in this remind me a lot of the stores in Cat Ash. Have you ever played Cat Ash? Uh-uh. It's a it's a uh, it's a it's an arcade uh, uh, scrolling platform game from Connect, uh, from a Capcom. Mm -hmm. But the stores are in places that no human could ever get. So how they stay in business is a mystery. <laughs> They're wedged into like behind like super death, and I'm like, how in God's name is this place here? Yeah. And in this game, they're just like it. But the they you know it's the sword the swords uh, the stores are just what you think. Upgrade weapons, upgrade armor, mm -hmm. um, magic weapon. So let's uh, talk but, about uh, let's talk about what you actually do in this game. So yeah, in, the, in this game, you start out. And uh, you're you're released upon the level, and your job is to hack and slash your way through the level and find a certain key. At the beginning of the level, the uh, princess will tell you, "Hey, this is what you need to be on the lookout for." And when you find it, you pick it up and you see it in your item, you know, up in the corner of the screen. And then you can open the gate that takes you to the next level. Yeah. These levels are multi uh, multi platform, horizontally and vertically scrolling base mazes, basically that have an outdoor and an indoor component. So yeah. sometimes you start out outside and you go inside and you can uh, and you explore the caverns and then you have to return outside to to find the gate. Um, this is a very, very, very European level design where it's it's not linear at all. You're expected to be able to find out where these things are. Now, in in the in the case of Leander, I never really found myself. Now, of course, I didn't make it all the way to the end, and I'm sure things probably get more and more impossible as you get towards the end of the game. But the 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 levels weren't so massive that I found myself getting lost. I guess at the very end of the game, and maybe this is when I when I stopped the streaming it, uh, I was at a place where. I didn't know where to go, but uh, the the difficulty curve in terms of the level design is very fair. I found. You know, the, this game. You're first of all, you're right. Uh, the this game has that. The, they love the exploration factor, and this game has that. You're going to look at the whole level multiple times because as you play this game, you realize that there's a, a method to it, and the method is go all the way through, get the component you need and then go all the way back. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to see the entire level at least twice. Now, um, normally I hate this. There, in fact, this game's an anomaly for me because there's got lots of stuff in it that I normally hate. And, and they, But it's all part of the gameplay mechanic. So you're going back to the level. Well, what happens? All the stuff you killed respawns. Uh, and so uh, everything that was there before is back. And it re so this, the respawn this is pretty quick. If you, yeah. if you mill around for a while, it comes right back. Normally, I hate that boat. I think you hate it too. Uh, but in this game, I can tolerate it because you're mo you're moving most of the time. You're it, if I was going to get lost a lot, I'd be pissed off. Mm -hmm. All right, that would be a no no. But normally in this game, much like yourself, I was able to get through it without getting. There was a few times I'd get confused, but generally I could get through it and not get too lost. And so that made only having to fight the stuff a couple times not so bad. No, also. There's not like a thousand things to fight, like focused on you. Yeah, you can get you can kill a couple things, and you're not gonna get too mad. One of the things know? that I like about this game is it has a very good sense of how many monsters you should be fighting at any one time. Yeah. It doesn't just open the enemy closet, and these guys don't rain down upon you. But they're not quite so uh, like barren, where you're like, well, why are there even enemies in this game? Uh, I thought that aspect of the game was very good. I agree. 
this game was as I was playing this, I, I and again we mentioned I thought there was a lot of aesthetics from like a Shadow of the Beast in it. I, a lot of this game reminded me of what I would play in Lionheart. Mm-hmm. Now, what they did here, and and, and I, I'm I'm saying this as a compliment to this game. Um, a lot of this game is sort of a less refined graphically ver- uh, to Lionheart, but uh, this game is probably more playable than Lionheart just because. And now your lead character is not as versatile. But he's much easier to control, right? Uh, and then Lionheart is, and I will say um, uh, the variety of enemies and stuff. I mean, I said that's what it reminded me of. There's a the level design, the variety of enemies. Uh, you've got a lot of you've got a lot to see and do here. There's a lot to look at. It's very clever, and it's got little touches that remind you of of like a Shadow of the Beast. Just for example, in the second part of the fir- of the second level. There's a there's a when you when you go all the way to one side there's a wall full of spikes that you, and you can't cr- jump up to the next level and eventually a horse and carriage will come along and you can mm-hmm. use that to jump off of and they're real well drawn yeah stuff like that happens you the know critters I, in this are real neat looking and they also could get quite big can't they boat yeah and there are some character models in this that uh that look very, very similar to Lionheart. Like the insectoid yeah. type thing yeah. that you'd encounter in the in the cave. That looks very similar to like Lionheart. Very sharp. Even yeah. the placement. And yeah. the thing is, I'd like to be like, oh man, this game ripped off Lionheart. But I mean, clearly it came years before Lionheart was made. So I have something tells me that the guys over that made Lionheart may have had a go at this. Uh, and, and at least, uh, at bare minimum, been slightly influenced. Well, I don't see as much... Lionheart doesn't have the... Uh, Psygnosis fingerprints on it, like this does, you know, with the mm-hmm. because a lot of the a lot of the uh, uh, the creatures in this uh, have that have that sort of feeling, that album covery feel that Psygnosis games gave you, the Shadow of the Beast gave you that real sort of stylized, you know. But in this game, you know, we've played a lot of these games where stylized, cool looking stuff just sort of flies around the screen, right? Like stupidly, randomly, right? And you're like. Wow, that looks cool, but boy, that's stupid. Yeah. In this game, it's cool and it's not stupid. It actually right. makes sense when it happens, and that's I was I was pleased, I was refreshed. Yeah, there, that, that, when this happened, I'm glad that you brought up Lionheart because I think it is important to make some comparisons because these games are similar in what they're what what you have to do. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, obviously, the music of Lionheart uh, not only does it beat what's in this game in terms of atmosphere, uh, but the fact that the soundtrack changes midway through levels. Now, the actual music itself, there really aren't tunes in Lionheart. It's more of like an ambient kind of kind of sound. This actually sounds like a song that's playing in the background. So that's neither better or worse. It's just different. Um, I didn't think the music was as good in this. Well, you didn't but, listen to it very often. You didn't listen to it very much. Well, I listened. I went through, and, and what I didn't get through, I watched. I thought it was, I mean, I'm not bad-mouthing it, but, I mean, what it reminded me of, ironically, was sort of like a watered-down uh, version of maybe some of the tunes you would hear sound in Shadow of the Beast. They tried to put some flute, and, I didn't, of course, I didn't get to hear every level, but a couple levels I played, there'd be some, like, flute stuff in there and stuff. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. Uh, and it and it, for this sort of game, I thought the music fit perfectly. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was totally fine uh, uh, um, to me. I, I thought th- it was okay. I think that uh, this game control, you know, this 
your Mr. Leander controls much better than Mr. Lionheart does uh, in terms of the way that he swings his sword. It yeah. responds like you'd expect. Also, the level design is so much better in Lionheart. How many times do you spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes climbing to the top of a tree or some sort of a, a, a you know, a organic growth, and then you get knocked off it and you have to start again? Uh, well, that... the levels in this aren't as long. Mm -hmm. And it, listen... This game isn't as this the levels aren't as long as they are in Lionheart, and they're not as difficult. Yeah. All right. I, and I will. And also, you, what you said is true about the sword. the The sword play in Lionheart, you, I mean, it requires you to learn it, and it, but, but it gives you more options. But it's not. It, you can't just pick it up and go to work. Whereas yeah. this one, you pick it up and go to work. You know. Now, um, negatively in this game, uh, they put a lot of uh, ledges that are just tall enough that you can't jump on them in this game and that is a that is a major faux pas in 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 modern game design you shouldn't make it seem like oh man i can reach that if i can just jump up there and you get like one pixel away from being able to reach it and you can't do it that's that that aggravated me majorly in this of course, game that's done a lot back in the day oh yeah, yeah yeah i'm just saying that this game it's hard to really find a lot of negatives about the, the way that this game controls and the way that the levels are designed um Another thing, another major, major omission is that you can't duck and swing your sword. Yeah, that is strange. It, you know, something we should touch on, Boat, I don't know how often you use this. You know, I kept looking. To, one thing I had trouble with was figuring out how hurt my guy was. And I, there's a big, long bar at the bottom of the screen here. And it took me forever to figure out what the heck that was. Right. You know, the, the suicide bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, and one thing you could do in this game, and I used it, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time, then I, I read the book. I'm like, ah, you could kill yourself in a violent explosion. Well, you do that, it, it acts as a smart bomb. And right. then when and then when you respawn, you don't have to deal with whatever enemies are around. But I mean, that is very unusual. Now, there are, you can, when you, were you ever able to upgrade your weapon in this game? Yeah. Okay, so you also use that bar when you're when you're upgrade to charge your different weapon upgrades too. I see. Okay. And when I got to the, the, I only got to the store a couple times, and almost always I spent all my money on armor. Yeah. You, you know, what did you think about the uh, the amount of damage you could take and and trying to keep track of how many times you've been hit? Uh, well, they do it in an interesting way in this game. Your your armor changes color depending yeah. on how how many hits you've taken, and you really have to have the manual open beside you to see you know what is it's it's different. And I think that a lot of times when you're making your very first game like this guy was doing, he's like, well, nobody's ever done this before. And so I give him props for trying something new. It's not ideal. He should, probably yeah. should have just put some hearts up on the screen. Um, Especially when you're in a place getting damaged up quickly. Right. You don't have time to, you know. And, and that there, was one thing I thought. And I caught on to that, too. With, you know, at the, in fact, ironically, it was at the store where I first figured out, okay, I see different armor. I don't know. I may just didn't pay attention to it yeah, uh, at yeah. the time. But you can take a goodly amount of damage. Oh, yeah. Now I now how did did you what level did you play this on? Uh, I just played it on the normal difficulty. You didn't I, didn't. Play, I played on training because oh, you get okay. more HP. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, one track. And I knew I wasn't getting past the first the first level because if you play training, you can only play that first world. Oh okay. Uh, but hey, I like the fact that that's in there. Yeah yeah. And uh, uh, I, that's part of the reason. Listen, boat. We've played a lot of games like this, and we've sucked so bad at all of them. And it's it was so refreshing. To not suck and to feel like I could actually get better at something. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would definitely put this up there. This is in the upper echelon of platformers on the Amiga yeah. for sure. The ducking, the ducking element is weird. Mm -hmm. Real weird to me. 
uh, uh, because that's a sort of pivotal, you know, to be a duck and sword. Something else I wish you could do, and again, this is, we're going back into like, uh, just, there are plenty, you know, if you watch the end of this game, they build a sequel that I guess never came. Uh, and I think to myself, if this game had a sequel, they could have ironed out these little issues. Then you got something. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You got something good here. But if you could do the sequel and you could put a hit point bar, I want to think where if you jump, you could hold your sword down, like a mm -hmm. lunge down. Right. Because how many times did you have to jump onto a platform? There's a dude there that was a real pain in the butt. There were also a lot of blind jumps, and it's a ton of them. Now, the good thing about this game is there's not like it's not like there's a pit full of spikes everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, you're going to be able to do these jumps and be okay. But it's still a, it doesn't feel good to jump off a cliff, and you can fall for a good while in this. Right. And then you know, and you, there's no fall damage, but still, it's you know, it'd be nice to know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Blind uh, jumps so, are always an issue. There's, uh, the this is just you know, it's this is when. Western game developers had not figured out all the tricks that Japanese game developers had when it comes to doing these platforming type games. Like the position of your character on the screen. You don't want your character dead middle of the screen 100% of the time. There are times when you want him on the left or on the right. And, you know, these are things that uh, that just came with time. For yeah. a, for a, a a a you know the the first effort out of the out of the uh, out of the gate. It's a it's an amazing achievement. When we look at so many games that people have done and it's their first game, it's just really really rough. But this is this is excellent, and it's you know, not, the uh, mm -hmm. the creatures. This has lots of end bosses in it, and uh, and big monsters. And my particular favorite is the giant otter, which makes a couple appearances. <laughs> which he doesn't look if no that looks like any otter I've seen. Yeah. I can tell you that. I don't remember but, seeing that either. I didn't recognize it as an otter, or uh, I didn't see a, it. It looks like a big frightening creature. Okay, but. Uh, there's tons of like, like the first time I came upon this dragon. In fact, that's the very first time I exploded because I thought to myself, "There's no way I'm killing that thing." Well, really, you can. You just sort of stay out of range, and a lot of times you can just kind of whack them with your sword because sword swings real fast, you know. But it it is cool to see these things walking around, and there are some big, big creatures that are just regular creatures. Mm -hmm. They did a good job. Even stuff like snakes that are hanging off platforms and stuff, they look really cool. Yeah. There's giant cobras and all kinds of awesome creatures. I mean, a ton of creatures in this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so th that me that shows me that the guys that made it were, like, really into it. They're really trying to put a lot of cool stuff in it, which and that's important. You can tell the architecture stuff. As, I don't know how far you went after you played, but, you know, I, if you look through the end of it or anything. Oh, yeah, I watched the ending. Yeah, but I mean, the different worlds, I mean, yes, a lot of the worlds are similar, mm -hmm. but they're not like, it's, it's not cookie cutter by any stretch. Uh, you get into worlds that are more of a more mechanical nature, there's like your fiery type areas, the the, the sky, the the, uh, the uh, night cycle kicks in, I mean, like some places are kind of like that purpley twilight look to them in the background. I mean, I think they did a pretty good job differentiating parts of it. The creatures in it, they look cool at first, but they're not that tough to kill, the big mm -hmm. ones. And then later on, they add a nuanced element to them. Maybe they have the ability to move, or maybe they'll shoot something that they didn't do before. And so you have to learn how to fight them that way. So, it, for again, this, this is a pretty impressive for a first time out. Really, I mean, if, I, I feel like you. I hate to say this is the best... Or amongst the best platform games of this type, I'll put in Amiga. But I mean, 
I think you. I think it's absolutely in the top two or three. Oh yeah, yeah. Without, with, you know me, I don't say that crap lightly. Without a uh, doubt, uh, without a doubt. This I is was re- and I was ready to kill this thing when I saw what Leander looked like. I was like, man, look at this geek. <laughs> you know, but I mean, hey, I'm gonna call him like I see him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, we should spend a little bit of time and talk about the Mega Drive port. Uh, yeah. The Mega Drive port came out uh, a little bit later, and um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if he, John was behind the Mega Drive port or not. I can't remember if he was or not. But um, they added uh, a lot of extra parallax scrolling. Um, the colors are all a bit brighter. Uh, and uh, the, most importantly, you can have music and sound effects at the same time. If you're going to, if you have the ability to play either uh, this on the Amiga or the Mega Drive, uh, I would suggest that you play the Mega Drive version if you can only play one. Of course, you want to play them both, and if you're an Amiga fan, then you want to play the Amiga version. But the Mega Drive is the definitive Leander experience, even though it's not called Leander; it's called Galahad. I will say this: I looked at the, I looked at the, some gameplay from the uh, Genesis slash Mega Drive version. And yes, they've changed the name, but I mean, and, and they did tinker with some of the background graphics, but I mean, it uh, is almost identical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's in, just in a straight of, up I mean, port. Yeah. Le- I mean, it's, in fact, it's so identical that even the op- the even the cutscene at the beginning's the same. Mm-hmm. It's almost exactly the same. Yeah. Leander pretty much looks about the same. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're right. Yeah, having music and sound effects, that right there is enough for me. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The, the graphics, the background graphics, are in hand. There's it's no like doubt if, about yeah, it. it's like if you took those extra planes from Shadow of the Beast and just you know digitally inserted them into uh, to Leander, then that it's a pretty close approximation of what the Mega Drive version looks like. I, I now here's this though. Now, I didn't. Did you play the Genesis version? No, I just watched the video. I of didn't it. play it either. And my guess would be because I mean it looked so similar. I actually put them side by side on my screen, kind of watched them. My it chances are it probably plays about the same. Oh thing. yeah, I'm sure. So I'm sure it does. I'm hung up on the on the backgrounds, and the, it's not like the backgrounds on this are garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, but yeah, I would agree with both. And I, I also read that they fixed a few bugs and some tw- tweaks some stuff along the way. Uh, you know, one thing I read, and I didn't see all these, but I read all uh, that this game also had a lot of cameos in it from other Psygnosis games. Uh, it's like Don Knotts in there, or like. No, I heard that. Well, I heard that the. Uh, uh, the 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 uh, thing the robot thing from Killing Game Show was in here somewhere. Really, which I didn't see it, but I did flip through and see the level where the lemmings come out. Did you see that? I did see that. That is only in the Mega Drive version, right? It's no. not. A, it's in the Amiga version. Oh, yeah. okay. I must have missed. I did read about that, but uh, I thought it was just in the Mega Drive version. Okay. Yeah, and, and uh, there's a there's a there's a hidden area where you just go in and you hear the the lemmings come out, and you see the little window, and they come out, and you hit this rock. And open a little tunnel for them, and they just go out the door, and then you just leave. I don't know. It's just a wacky little yeah. hidden thing. It's 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 weird. I mean, I like stuff like that. Um, and I know that uh, like some people might think, well, you know, you're ruining the atmosphere of the game. But I mean, the game's sort of wacky as it is. It's not like it's this ultra serious affair. So well, I mean, listen, these guys are working for Psygnosis. Psygnosis has some great properties. What the hell, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I like I said, who cares? It's a little, it's a little, a little uh, homage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I like this game. I like the, uh, uh, you know, we mentioned that the levels aren't there are you go through them twice at least, but they're not mega long. Uh, the uh, uh, the they're unlike a lot of Amiga games we play. Uh, the, the level design, someone put some thought into them, and so uh, they're not cheap. I never felt like they were cheap. Did you? No. 
I mean, I didn't play through the whole game. You know, sometimes in these games when you get towards the end, things just get insane. So I don't want to say that this is just a perfect, yeah. you know, level. But as far as like the first half to three quarters of the game, yeah, very, very good. I actually, well, when I used the level codes, uh, I did play some of the later levels, to te- not very long. But I mean, I felt like I had a decent chance. Yeah. You know, yeah. on them. I guess if I could summarize on this one, if you want all the beauty and stuff of a, of a, of a uh, Shadow of the Beast or an Agony with some of the cool gameplay elements that you would expect from like a fantasy uh, uh, scrolling action game, like this, this is amongst the top. There I agree. Go. I agree. This um, might be, I mean, can you think of another platformer game from Psygnosis that's as good as this? No. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. It's it's it, very it misses, very good. It misses a few marks. It's not a it's not an A plus. No, no. But it's but it could have been if they would have if they would have done a little. Someone just mentioned Barbarian Two in the chat. I've played Barbarian Two. I like this better. Um, this, if if they'd gotten a few of the issues with the music laid out and a few other things, the then you got something. Um, I want to mention just a couple wacky things I found. So get this. There's a when you bought this disc, there was a hole punched into the disc. And uh, if the hole isn't there, the game won't load. Wow! Right? Really? Yeah. So no. Now you could take that check out of the out of the uh, game, like the pir- pirates could do it, and the game will load fine. But uh, there's one catch because this thing has some kind of thing in the in. They got an algorithm or something that checks for this uh, this defective spot, and if it's not there, the player can't get past level four because one of the platforms he needs has the collision detection removed. And so you just go through oh, it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Put those filthy pirates in their place. And also, your damage is halved at that point, too. <laughs> which I thought, <laughs> we're screwing around, man. See, I like um, that. I, I would <laughs> rather see creative, you know, uh, solutions rather than uh, rather than sternly worded, like, remember that that public domain guy that's like, listen, man, I'm going to come find you. if you Your, your <laughs> name like is known. Too. No, <laughs> Those are funny. <laughs> you know, I will say, now that you tell me these guys went on to do the Lego stuff, you clearly these guys were talented. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, I did look up some reviews on this. Um, they're pretty good. Uh, Lemon gave it an 8.05. Uh, Amiga Axe gave it a 91. Amiga Computing gave it an 86. Amiga Format, 78. Oh, uh, That's a shocker. Uh, Amiga Power, 83. CU Amiga, 85. The One gave it a 93. I think these are too low for once. Yeah. I think this is a solid A title. Yeah. I yeah. would give this a solid 93 or 94 Yeah. Uh, personally. Yeah. Um, I looked this up on the eBay uh if you uh, want to get yourself a copy, uh, they're go- and this is they've sold for this anywhere between fifty-eight bucks and one hundred and one dollars. Oh, okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention was if you've got a meg of uh, memory, then this thing won't load as it'll, it'll load a lot more stuff, and you don't, it doesn't have to stop in the middle of the level to load. So mm. something you can consider when you're playing this game. I didn't get to look at the ST version. Is the Jubo perchance? No, I didn't realize there was an ST version. Yeah, I, I kind of like to see what that looked like, but I'd wager it looks pretty similar. 
That's all I got, Boat. I, right. I was uh, color me surprised on this one. I was expecting to drop the hammer, brother. Well, we did get some reviews from our uh, Discord channel. Mm. Uh, as always, if you are a uh, Twitch subscriber or if you support us on Patreon, you get access to our uh, Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server where the uh, Amiga talk just don't stop. And uh, we got a couple reviews from our fine folks. First up, Chris Folds writes, walk, slash, and jump, repeat. Till find key, find exit, repeat. Nothing wrong with that and forms the basis of many a great game. This has nice graphics, decent soundtrack, but sadly we have to choose that or sound effects, and the controls are decent enough when patched via WHD load. A run-of-the-mill 7 out of 10. However... After a tip-off, I played the Mega Drive version with beautiful parallax scrolling, music and sound effects, and tighter controls once again, making the Amiga feel like an unloved cousin. It's the worst kind of cousin. Packbilly writes, This was one of a handful of Psygnosis games that was nearly as fun as it was pretty. Music is nice, <laughs> but I feel like they could have easily given up a channel to the sound effects without losing anything. I give it pie stars. And finally, Pixels at Dawn writes, a very pretty looking platformer with an excellent music and a great intro. It's fun to play and actually has a proportional jump for a change, but it's a bit too easy to die, especially as the basic weapon is too short range. Once you've bought something like the longsword, you're in a better position, but the lives fall off pretty quickly before that point, especially as enemies constantly respawn, a pet hate of mine. Otherwise, it's a fairly decent hack and slash, but it's not going to set the world on fire. 7 out of 10. That's unusual. We liked it more than the people listening. That's got to be the first time that's ever happened. This is, this is, I mean, this is a 9 out of 10 for me. I mean. You know, you know and also the sword. I mean, yeah, it's not the longest sword, mm -hmm. but it it's so fast. And so you can, if you line stuff up, you can, you, know, you can get them. In terms of the stuff respawning, it, that is something I hate. But mm -hmm. in this game, that's part of the way it's structured. And it, so it didn't, it the, yeah, it didn't, it didn't bother me as much as other games for sure. It really bothered me at first. Then I got it. Mm -hmm. All right, Aaron. Last week, the Patreon song was "Dust in the Wind" by Kansas. No kidding. What? Yeah, Dust in the You're Wind by Kansas. Um, you ever seen the video for that? There's a video for it? Yeah, there's a video for it. And the stuff that doesn't have videos, they went back and made videos for it. Really? Yeah. I thought Dust in the Wind was a 70s song. Did they have videos back in the 70s? I think it came out in the in the early 80s, didn't it? Maybe you're I could right. I be wrong. I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't around. You were. Um, we did have some winners. Um, Slow Norris rang in like a bell. Edvin Helland, Pack Billy, CBM Nut, and Barkbit. They all got it right. Congratulations, winners. And this week, Aaron, we have something very special. For the very first time, we are going to hear a listener-submitted Patreon song. I was wondering why we'd move this to the video section, so that explains it. Let's hear it. All right, so... Do we know who this is? Uh, yes. This is submitted. Well, he's going to introduce himself. So here we go. I've done something wrong. We're going to do this one more time. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. Are you sure you didn't mime it? All right. Give me one second here. Give me one second. 
All right, now we're ready. All yep. right, I'm, I'm so excited. Hello, Pixels at Dawn here, Go. and this is this week's Patreon song. You won't be able to hear it. Soul and Liza. Tech Mage Zebedee's magic roundabout jargon. Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington. Zoglob, Commodore, Kid Bjorkman, Goodness Son. Reflection, Simon, Latch, Captain Crispy, Kilobytes and Caffeine. Mike W. Deckard, Three Put, Gary, Heather, Free Lunch. K. Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones. A Lobster Minator, Ten Minute Amiga, Retrocast, Bernard Quinn. Retro Man, K. Tim Drew, Simon Rose. Joseph Harrison, Kyle Rob O'Hara, Howard Nibs, Matthew, Larry Moore, and Andy Craig, Sean Zoe, Colin 419, Bark, Bed, Roland Burke, Andrew <laughs> Monks, Joe the Zombie, Life Kalon, and Lanka Bob, Chicote Level, Lord John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy Dead Boy, Sticky CTZ, The Slow Norris, Stefan, Sogard, Mortensen, Edwin Helen, Blender 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Falls, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Giroux, JMW Vebke, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hercursey, Brian Jones, and Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tapes from the Crypt. Josh Nan Adam, Bradley Jonas, Rulo THT. Eric Nelson, Kim, Tommy Humboldt, Star. Daniel Bengston, a brutal barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjorbjorn Barman. Wow. That was amazing. Aaron, I can't believe you, 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 because of the way that the studio is set up, you weren't able to hear that. But man, that was... Everyone else was losing it. I just said it like a bum. It was so epic. So if you know the answer to this week's Patreon song challenge, send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and I will announce you as a winner next week. Uh, We want to thank again Pixels at Dawn for submitting that awesome Patreon song. And if you would like to record your own rendition of the Patreon song, please email it to me at, you guessed it, john at amigospodcast.com. And, uh, and I will play it on next week's show. All right, Aaron, next week, you know, the world is, is going to heck right now. Hold on a second. Surely you, John Bodepkar Schaller, and release some exciting video footage this week you'd like to share with the world. Oh, sure. We can talk about videos. Yeah, let's do that, shall we? Okay. We do whatever you want, man. It's your show. <laughs> so, 
Send uh, me a check, quick. <laughs> let's see here. I did not have the videos queued up. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, let's see. I always have to switch the account. To. It's a good thing that this is the part of the podcast that nobody listens to ever, so this we can get away with everyone this. Listens yeah, to. Every, everyone right skips, skips right to one hour and, and 15 minutes in. All right, and uh, Amigos Retro Gaming is the name of our channel. It is funny, because on the weeks I don't mention this and you just skip right past it, you go, why didn't you mention it? And the week I mentioned it, <laughs> I can tell on your face, you're like, why didn't you skip this? All right. You put it's, out some good stuff this week. You need to be acknowledged, Boat. I I should be acknowledged. So uh, let's start if out with something. Yeah, let's start out with ARG presents here. And what did you guys talk about this week? Holy smokes, Boat! Are you kidding me? We went and talked at most this week. Actually, I'm glad you brought this up uh, because we had a couple big winners this week. We played uh, games on the Oric Atmos. Uh, which is our second go-around on Warwick computers, and this time around we played Damsel in Dis- Distress and Lone Raider. And both these games were, well, especially Damsel in Distress is mega, mega, mega hard. And I put out the challenge on both games. I wanted someone to beat, to get through all the levels of Lone Raider, and I wanted someone to just get past the first level of Damsel in Depre- Distress. And I'll be darned if two of our Discord buddies uh, didn't get the job done. I think uh, uh, both Paul Kitching and Buck Owens, right? That's right. Uh, Paul got got past all the or got through to the last level of Lone Raider, and uh, Buck Buck, who was a stud player uh, on some of these older machines, got past the first level of Damsel in Distress, which shows you how hard that game is. Uh, it was difficult. So kudos to you guys. But we had a lot of fun. This week, we're going to be looking at zombie or undead-related games. So this should be a lot of fun. Cool, cool. Uh, let's see. We really, I did a uh, long, probably my longest Amigos plays ever uh, on Leander. So you can watch me fumble and stumble around, trying out a new streaming format in which I also have a train cam <laughs> that plays. Uh, so you can watch an exciting journey from like uh, uh, Tokyo to uh, Hokkaido or someplace like that. Uh, so you can. That was stunning to me when I turned that on. I was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> and so uh, you can watch me play Leander. I also keep releasing um, some uh, uh, just kind of a backlog of some Let's Play videos. We did uh, uh, Renegade by Taito. Uh, and then I also we released a new episode of uh, 1200XL, our Atari 8-bit podcast, Aaron, where we talked about one-on-one Dr. J versus Larry Bird. Yeah, that was fun. I had a good time playing that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, um, it was International Tolkien Day yesterday, Aaron. It was just amazing coincidence. Uh, I saw it pop up and I was like, well, I've got to play The Hobbit on ZX Spectrum. Because if there was anything that Tolkien wanted done with his series of novels, he's like, boy, I can't wait until someone turns my work of art into a text-based parser graphical adventure game for the deck spectrum 
And luckily, Tolkien's dream came true. It was released in both 48K and 128K varieties. This is a heck of a gamer, and I know we're going to be talking about it here in a few minutes on our Sinclair. Um, but uh, you can watch me play it with the help of the chat. Uh, I was very lucky we had a couple people that really knew the game well, including a uh, Hobbit speedrunner. If you can believe this is a game that it is able to be speedrun, uh, it I is. I cannot imagine that's possible. <laughs> this game and speed do not co coincide. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's what's been going on on the uh, on the YouTube channel this week. Er, uh, Amigos Retro Gaming. Did I leave out anything else, Aaron? Um, we did that team up play, but I believe that was Twitch release, wasn't it? Yeah, I did not put that up on the uh, the YouTube channel, though I someday. may do that someday in the future. Absolutely. All right, I think that that's going to be it, Aaron. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and watching us live here on Twitch. Uh, I, you know, we record this show live every Friday around five thirty. Uh, we got Retro Gaming Denmark is here. Treyguard eighty two. Harry Longbone, Zebedee's Magic Roundabout. You guys have the best names. Barkbit, Packbilly, Pixels at Dawn doing a great job modding. L. Curtis B., Paul Kitching, Picard 2010, Christian Rousel, Bike Me, Gary Hucker, Duncan Styles. Uh, thank you guys so much for showing up and, and hanging out in the chat with us. It really makes doing the live show so much better uh, knowing you guys are, are there taking part in the chat. Enduring. That's right. <laughs> and we want to thank all of our Twitch. Speaking of Twitch, we want to thank all of our Twitch subscribers. Uh, you can subscribe to the show, twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. If you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can sub to the show for free. It helps us out, and you get all the same benefits that you do if you uh, support us on Patreon. You can join the ranks of Silver Streak 72, Wing Chun Wolf, Go To Go Sub, Frodo NL. Honored Shadow, Retro Jerry, Darkwing 602, Buck Owens, Christian Rousel, Mohawk Mall, Chris Fold, still adolescing Mitsuyama, Rushi, MSX, Kilobytes and Caffeine, and Macintosh Librarian. Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Twitch. We also want to thank the Amigos Game Selection Committee for choosing the game that we played this week, and a special thank you to Pixels at Dawn for suggesting Leander. Next week, Aaron, we are going to be playing Nuclear War. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you think we've got it bad with coronavirus right now. At least it's not nuclear annihilation right around the corner. Let me guess. Is Nuclear War a deep, thoughtful simulation boat? It probably has several manuals. There are some chits that you have to pop out of a cardboard box, and you have to place those strategically on the keyboard as you play. Mm. So it's well, just, we'll do it's, our best, but it's, it's one of these games I'm sure it's going to be right up our alley. Mm. So we want to thank Jason Warrens for suggesting uh, Nuclear War, and uh, we will give it our best shot for next week. All right, Aaron, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, adios. adios.